0: edition of shattered lives this is a little bit different this is not your regular host donna r gore uh this is your your temporary host let's put it that way um i'm delilah jones from imagine publicity and today's going to be a little bit different because i'm going to interview your regular host and this um this is kind of a a series that Donna has put together for adults with disabilities. She has her own disability, and what she's learned is going into adulthood, and I won't say old age, but older (laughs) age, there, there are certain things that um, situations that she's run into that just aren't necessarily covered or or known by your regular family physician. And she's had to put together quite the um, dream team of of resources in order to get what she needs to make her life a little more complete and a little easier as she ages. So that's what we're going to talk about today and you can also listen to her series. She's putting together a whole series on Anchor FM and we will give you the information on how to listen to that later in the program. Donna, how are you this morning?
1: I'm well Delilah and thank you for giving me this opportunity and Yes, I am older, but I like to think that I wear it well. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, well, you know, why don't we do start things out just by familiarizing listeners with what you've had to live with in your life? Can give us a brief background on your disability and how you know you've gone through your life with it. Oh,
1: okay. Well, I um, it's. It's been it's been a challenge, but you know, I have to say, um having a, a disability um since birth is very different than acquired because it's something something that you live with day day to day and you, you acclimate, you compensate, you do what you can do versus somebody that's that total whose body totally functions well and then all of a sudden there's a traumatic event and your world is turned totally upside down so I I have to give kudos to those people who have acquired um, injuries and have to you know totally accommodate where as mine is just something that I've that I evolved with so the disability that I have is called spastic cerebral palsy and um, it's it's neurologically based Um, there are Three, actually four different types. There's spastic, ataxic, athetoid, and a, a mixed variety. And and with mine, the spasticity is that your your um, joints and, and and your muscles get very tight and they don't they don't move freely. So for example, I can't. I can't bend very well, uh, as particularly as I age, um, to do different things. If I fall down, um, now it's it's very difficult for me to um, get up because my ankles have, due to surgery, have been fused in three places, or one of them. My my knees and my hips. Have difficulty um, bending, so I have to compensate using my entire upper body strength, and it's awful. It's awful to feel helpless, uh, like that commercial. I fall in and I can't get up, but I, by sheer force of energy, you know, I do. And perhaps at some point I should look into a lifeline system, but I guess I'm just stubborn and say I'll do it. Um, And after a while, you learn. You learn how to fall safely by, you know, extending your arms out and catching yourself and hoping. Um, And the other thing is staying healthy so that your bones and everything remain healthy so that if you do fall, you know, you're you're not going to fracture every time you fall. So anyway, um, this this disability progressed. And you have to remember that I was born in the early to mid-50s when virtually um, no technology was was available, but um, and I, I was premature uh, two months, so um, it was a very tenuous time as to even whether perhaps I would live, never mind thrive. And um, thank God that um, I did, and I did not have other associated disabilities. Many times, people with cerebral palsy may have respiratory problems and may have uh, brain damage. Um, Uh, Other than the motor area, um, they may have intellectual uh, difficulties. They may have speech and swallowing difficulties and uh, a whole myriad of problems. And my mom was told that she had had a prolonged birth uh, um, um, from the first labor pain to when I was born was one hour. So if the labor was prolonged, I probably would have had intellectual deficits. So in the beginning, um, what they had done was to give me these very um, heavy arduous um, metal um, leg braces uh, that that had buckles and and locks at the knees and you know where uh I had to wear them even even when I slept and had a number of surge orthopedic surgeries at our local children's hospital and it was a matter of giving me one ability and maybe taking away something else that was more important and it depended upon the growth your growth spurts. So at certain points in time they wanted to do this procedure versus that procedure. And, you know, I did well. I did very well. I I was a happy child um despite all of this. My my family tried to be very inclusive in terms of involving me in all different activities, um, just as my siblings did as much as I could. And I wasn't, you know, treated you know, special just because I had the disability. You know, I, I I was punished if I did something wrong or or whatever. But our life revolved around physical therapy treatments, being in and out of surgeries. And just as a side note, um, I also the the majority of my surgeries, and I've had uh, upwards of more than fifty over the years. My the bulk of the surgeries I had was for another disability involving close on in my vocal cords that blocked off the airway and I couldn't breathe and I couldn't talk without a, a trach in my throat. So that was thirty three surgeries. So I have to say kudos and much love to my parents who um
0: well, Donald, what, so much Yeah. What about what from you you know, you like you say, you grew up in the mid fifties. So going into the 50s and 60s, and technology 60s. obviously was a lot different back. Then. Right. Um, what did? What was the? What am I trying to say? The um, expected outcome, I guess, of whatever treatments and, and leg braces and things that they worked with you, as opposed to maybe children that are born with the same disability today. What are the expected outcomes, comparatively speaking?
1: well um i I think that they their goal was to to have me have me ambulate to have me walk um you know independently it's always you know the the greatest amount of independence that you can achieve and whether whether it would have been without any assistive devices eventually meaning um you know no walkers, no canes no crutches or 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 whatever um and um, be able to d- be able to do it safely and to do my you know what they call independent living skills activities of daily living, and perform them independently and I think as they saw that I didn't have cognitive impairments, i didn't have intellectual impairments, you know in grammar school, I was given psychological tests, and they said. I was definitely, quote, college material. So my my family was, you know, elated that, oh, yes, this this child with all these surgeries and, you know, all of these seeming impediments to your daily lifestyle could thrive and could have perhaps a normal life as they defined it. But um, as I mentioned to someone at at work this week um, that we were comparing somebody I work with now, you know if you have a child with a lot of- co- complex disabilities in in your particular area, certain services are not offered, then you may move to another state or another location and Just to let you know, my dad um built my dad was a carpenter by trade and he built our first home out in the woods of granby connecticut and Then when we realized that during that time there were no um, integrated classrooms, and everyone with a disability was plunked into one classroom um, they didn 't have services out in this little town in the woods, so we had to move to Hartford, which is the, the capital, and be close to the children 's hospital such that we would be close to you know where I could have surgery and therapy all of the time because at that time you know it, services just weren 't offered and the um, sophistication of of what is involved in educational systems now, with with every school seeming to have to have you know special ed plans and having to provide, no matter where you live, it's a very different world, Delilah. So it's always been you know the greatest independence, so that you can achieve you can achieve your your highest level of independence and hopefully thrive. And now, if we're talking about other children who um, have all of these other um, co- complex challenges besides the physical disability, well, of course, then they're going to have to live in a supported environment. They have to, um, you know, uh, maybe in a group home, although they're getting away from that, they want people mainstreamed, you know, a lot of times if you don't have families, unfortunately, you are, you know, prematurely put into skilled nursing homes if, you're, if you have um, a disability such as mine on top of a lot of other challenges, which is very sad because then you become isolated and it's not necessarily an appropriate setting. But There is no appropriate setting.
0: Right. Well, what? How do you feel like the American for Disabilities Act, the ADA, after it was passed a little over 25 years ago, how did that affect um, not only your challenges, but everyone who has any type of disability, how did that affect your life?
1: Well, I, I think um, it, during the educational process, we saw that, You know, a lot of it had to do with architecture and structural changes and access so that buildings – for example, when I – again, when I was in grammar school and I I made the transition from um, quote-unquote handicap class class or classes – up until the third grade, I, I integrated into a regular public school, and they had no elevators, no nothing, so the janitor used to carry me up the stairs, and even during uh, lunch periods um, for, uh, I can't remember not exactly why, but um, I, I I guess, you know, I was made to feel special in that I got to bring a friend and eat in this library slash media center with 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 another person be, because um i was I was unable to um, eat in the regular uh cafeteria so that's that's what they would do, and they would accommodate me in gym classes um if it was uh, for example um, i i couldn't climb the rings in the, uh, i couldn't do certain things so I would be scorekeeper or I demonstrated just by sheer power of my of my arms um, climbing the rings and the ropes versus uh, going up, you know, the way that everybody else did. So they tried to integrate me. Um, I, I I was subtly discriminated against um, socially. Um, you know, I I talked recently in a post about learning at an eighth grade dance. Somebody was paid to to dance with me at a dance and that that was heartbreaking you know when i when i when i found out um you 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 are isolated socially my my disability is 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 very obvious in terms of gait and even at that time i had a lot more quote unquote hardware and um but yet i think my personality was happy and i thrive so um i I had a lot to offer, but you know it was very difficult. I never went to a prom i didn't I didn't date a lot, and it wasn't until you know years later into my adulthood that I got into the you know d- dating scene with with um people so you you do pay a price no matter how well adjusted you are to the particular physical disability. You know, um, there there is um, there there is a social psychological price to pay. But I think with everything that ha- that has gone on in my life, I'm relatively uh, very well adjusted. You know, in, in terms of today and and technology. I mean, I think I-, I saw in the grocery store the other day a little a little child that that had just the coolest little bright pink metallic walker. Um, I think she had what they call club feet and she was about maybe two years old and she was just running down the aisles to beat the band. So I think there's a lot more to offer in terms of um, uh, what technology does and I also hope. And the thing that I want to get across, you know, before I talk about my journey and what's going on today is that um, there's there's a lot more research done for pediatrics, uh, meaning children with cerebral palsy, and virtually, virtually very little going on for adults because of the fact that people in my age range and and the fact that I was, quote, relatively unscathed, just had the physical component, um, a lot of people died. Um, and so um, they haven't done anything to say, how do we help enhance the quality of life for aging people with spastic struggle palsy or any any of the forms of CP?
0: So where does that bring you today in, in your – not struggle. Not, struggle really isn't the word because I don't see you as a struggler. I see you more as a, a – persistent person, I guess. Um, But I know that you've run across some things that need to be rectified to, again, make your condition a little easier to live with as you age. So tell us a little bit about um, what's what's going on with your body as you age, and Mm -hmm. what doctors you've seen and, and what kind of response you're getting from the medical community. Okay,
1: and I, I think some of this will apply to a lot of people, not just in the in the CP arena. Um, the cerebral palsy as an overlay to the aging process, it is not a progressive disability in terms of it getting worse in, in your body, atrophies, and, and, and it's not a, a, a quote-unquote Disease that you would die from or die prematurely, it just makes everything harder as you age so so walking um, walking, making you know quick movements, uh, the agility like as you 've seen, getting in and out of a car is really hard for me Bend, bending the limbs, um, uh, just doing all of those kinds of things that other people take for granted just gets a lot harder as you age because um I have what they call very high tone and that's what I mean the the the, the muscles contract and they they're very tight and they and they don't they don't let go and they don't have an um an, uh, an easy way of moving uh, with the with the joints and and the muscles together it's almost like they freeze and particularly with this disability, if you have cold like we do now, um, it, it just exacerbates everything, and it's very uncomfortable, and it really makes mobility a lot harder. It's not painful, but it just makes things very much harder. So as as I've aged, um, I'm trying to think back. Maybe in my 40s, I am now. I hate to say this, but I just turned, well, 64 um, in December. Maybe in my 40s, um, and I was working in um, skilled nursing homes and hospitals. Up until that point, I mean, I had graduated to the point where I didn't have to have any assistive devices, and I was just walking around. As, as lay people would describe, oh, she walks with a limp. And I was fine, but I, I've always had balance issues, and balance is a big thing. But then I, I saw that my balance was starting to impact my gait, and you know I've always had challenges with the ability to carry things, particularly things that require you know I can't walk down the the the, the um across the room and carry an open cup of coffee. I guarantee I'll spill it, you know things like that that require. Uh, so you have to use your gross motor abilities, which and your fine motor abilities. And I also have mild to moderate fine motor or um, coordination problems at times. So during that time, I noticed, you know, I was having trouble, and I was it was impacting my job as a medical speech pathologist and carrying things and and going, you know, uh, from this place to that place. So I was given. I was given canes, and then I was given the kind of crutches that have a cuff on it called loft strand, and those would get caught on my clothing and skin, and they would pinch. And so then, as as time went on, I I found um, a company, Millennial Medical, that had a, a ergonomic kinds of crutches where where they you know um, the, the 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 grips on the handles were good. They had kind of um, springs on the bottom, so it, t- it took a lot of stress off your joints, and you know didn't make you as tired. So I have state of the art crutches and all, but um, my gait, you know, my gait is not smooth. It's it's somewhat jerky, but I, I get things done. But when um, over time, when you develop a certain kind of walking pattern and a gait, you you um, put pressure, and what has happened. I'd say over the last 10, 15 years, is you you develop stress in, in certain parts of your of, of your feet, and particularly my ankles, if they don't bend and move freely. and And these are known, and athletes get these. These are called stress fractures. So I've had about. Two or three stress fractures, and and they're very painful, and you end up having to go to an orthopedic orthopedic doctor and and wear one of these big boots that holds your foot in place while while it heals, and so it's not like in, in place of having a cast or something, and so this I I saw after my third one last last a year ago last march i'm like well is this going to be a chronic thing because this is a a real pain in the butt um to have to live with and so i i uh this th- this fracture that i that i had um i had a very difficult time finding a new doctor to diagnose and like i say i just can't call up and say, hey, I have adult cerebral palsy, and I I want to find out what's going on and how can you treat me. It's not a one-stop shopping, Delilah. So I had to start out by, you know, trying to find a doctor I used to go to, and they would say, oh, I'm sorry, that person retired, or oh, I'm sorry, that person doesn't specialize in that body part anymore. Or oh that person went on vacation, and in the meantime here I am in a lot of pain and I can't find a good doctor. So what do I do? I I decided to try to think out of the box and I said okay there's no there's no doctor that's going to quote unquote treat adults with cerebral palsy because that doesn't exist. Call the children's hospital and say who would you recommend? To, you know knowing that you work with CP, what doctor in this in all the medical systems in Connecticut, so they gave me one, and I was able to go there. Um, and I had to use my, my own old orthopedic boot that I had stored away from the previous uh, time. And had I not put that on myself, then the fracture would have been a lot worse and this, this would have been a prolonged thing. So this was the stage, Delilah, in which I had to start being my own physician and my own care coordinator because there was such big time lags in trying to find the right people to help me that I just had to say, you know, sorry for saying it this way, screw it. I have to do what what I
0: have to do. What would happen? I mean, in the meantime, you're waiting to find the right medical personnel to help you. And yet here you have this, this uh, stress fracture. And what if, what would have happened if you didn't have the boot or if you didn't have the wherewithal to use the boot and I mean, would it would this fracture just gotten worse and worse and then and then uh, what
1: yeah well yeah i I believe it would have, and it would be excruciating pain, and I wouldn't be able to walk and wouldn't be able to go to work and and all of that, so. Uh, you know, when it comes to having that kind of equipment, I mean, I I, I live um, minimally, but I would never throw away something like that because you never know when, when you're going to need it. And I was praying that it was the same foot as before. I couldn't remember which side it was. And I think it was, yeah, it was the same. And luckily it wasn't my driving foot um, because, you know, um, then I – and I think it's against the law. I'm not exactly sure, but um, – I wouldn't have been able to drive myself to work and have to go on you know family leave and all, all that kind of thing, so yes it would have it, i i think it i think it would have gotten worse and to the point where I just couldn't have walked at all because the pain would have been excruciating, you know, and you know you you can elevate it, you can put ice on it, but ultimately with a stress fracture, it just has to have time and to heal so so what I did at what i did after that and this woman this this dr gini who's with um uh, uh, medical center she's a a surgeon a foot and ankle specialist and so i ultimately went to her and and they did uh, you know they did an x-ray and an mri confirming a stress fracture and um you know, she said it was a good thing that I had had the boot on, and she gave me another one because my other one was totally worn out—a different, a different type. And then we started to develop a treatment plan, and she said, "You know, I have this bracing specialist, and they're known as a orthotist, and they're not doctors, but they're skilled technicians, and they go to school and they know everything about anatomy and kind of like a Geppetto with." Pinocchio, they're like specialized shoemakers, and but they they do very skilled, high tech bracing for people, and it's very custom and individualized. And the big big difference today is that, you know, back in the day in the fifties and sixties, they were they were giving me these big metal heavy braces that locked at the knees with leather straps and you know, it pro- they probably weighed ten ten pounds itself before I even put my body into it. Now they're now these things are made of what they call carbon fiber and they if and know I, I had a I also had a knee brace and um these these um what they call AFO ankle foot foot or orthotics, they um th- they like I say they weigh like a pound, and and they have a a fabric strap uh, that that goes around around your knee, but the whole thing only weighs like a pound, and you know very lightweight. So we have come you know decades in terms of the technology, being able to accomplish the same things, but but with with um, a lot a lot less inconvenience and weight, you know. And so I don't know if you want me to continue my saga here a little bit in terms of this journey. Will
0: kind of no. goes through yeah. maybe a few of the steps that you needed to take to get this handled, and where are you today with it? What you know, what progress have you made over? I think it's what almost a year now that that you've had this ongoing thing.
1: Well, actually, yeah, this. Um, the The last the last stretched fracture was about in uh in June, last June, and it's still an ongoing saga. So yeah, so after I went to this foot and ankle doctor and she hooked me up with the uh, orthotist, um, she wanted to make sure that I didn't have osteoporosis, which you know uh, can can have a tendency to to have a lot of of um, fractures by having a bone density test, and everyone one of, of our age range should be having those just to rule it out, um, you know, there's the osteopenia, um, and lo and behold, I did not have that, but she was very excited about referring me to um, Bob Lynn, and come to find out, he was in training at the same children's hospital. When I was a little girl, so we had a lot to talk about. He was a great guy. We developed a wonderful rapport, and he introduced me to these um, to, to these AFO um, braces that he that he said would um, improve my posture, it, um, improve my improve my gait, um, my walking, and would also um, have less tendency. I tend to have a right a right foot drop or foot dragging of the toes, because you know I can't pick up my ankle, and just the whole body mechanics and the you know walking more smoothly, uh, and would give me more endurance and energy. So I was very excited. So he he measured me, made made this, and luckily after a lot of back and forth, um, and trial and error, we got it approved by my insurance. Thank you, State of Connecticut. And um, I, you know, I I did try them, but the the big problem and the problem that still exists is that I I when I dress um, I have to go through a lot because of my my ankles and my hips not bending. So putting on pants, putting on socks, putting on shoes is is a, a, a it's like being a, a contortionist. But I'm I'm used to that, but with these particular braces, I could, put the left, uh, I could put the left one on fine because I could cross my leg over. But my right one, due to a particular procedure that they did, which involves uh, fusing my ankle and my foot in three places, I just could not bend it. So in order to get into this brace, um, I could not do it without help. They helped me put it put it on with with sh- special uh, oversized shoes to accommodate the brace, and I could do it fine. I could walk, and they're saying, Tommy, you look great. This is wonderful." But the the, the important thing is that you can you can make the most high tech piece of equipment, Delilah, and it could be it could be therapeutically the best thing in the world. But if you can't get it in on independently, it's it's worth nothing. And and the only things that they could think of at the time was, well, okay, if you're married and you have a spouse, okay, your spouse can help you put it on, and that's fine. Well, that's that's not my situation, and I'm not going to go knock on my neighbor's door at, you know, 6 o'clock in the morning while I'm getting dressed or whatever. Or... You know, he said he had another person in the situation and they had supportive people at work and they brought it to work and they helped you put it on. And I said, well, it's not really practical in my work setting. So we said, well, what are we going to do now because I can't get this one on, uh, no, uh, you know, independently. So there was another type that we, that um, called an anterior shield where the bar uh, is in the front of the leg versus the back of the leg. So I was, you know, I was very excited about the prospect of trying this. So after um, quite a while of getting that in and the holidays and back and forth, I went to his office and and and, and tried that. And, you know, he sat back and he's like, Donna, you, you know, you have to figure this out. I'm not going to be at your house to help you. So I tried and tried and tried, and I couldn't get it on. And <laughs> I was really bummed out. So I went home the next week, you know, I had like a long weekend or something, I can't remember, or maybe I didn't, Through a Friday night, Saturday and Sunday, and I, uh, you know, with all my might I got it on, forced it on, but it took all of my energy and I said, how am I going to do this every morning? So I, I said, I think I need a chair, a chair that's lower lower in gravity or, you know, using a long handled shoehorn, or I have a recliner that that goes up, I have a a stool without with a with a, uh, uh, a high handle. Maybe if I tilt it. Maybe if I sit on my bed and I put my legs up in the air. I tried everything, Delilah. I could. I still could not get this darn thing on. Um, the the fact is that I have to sort of enter the shoe from the from the right at a right angle and turn my foot uh, left to align it with the shoe and I'm essentially breaking down the heel of the shoe to get it on. And I can't do it. So I was like, you know, what am I going to do? I, I, I want to use this. I have to use this. So in the interim waiting, waiting for this guy and the holidays to pass, I decided to do some more research. And what, what happened was that when I did some research, I um, thought, well, I had two ideas. One was, um how about it we just cut down the shoe um, where I'm trying to force my foot and like stitch it, and maybe I can get in in into it easier. And then the other thing was I went online and I found an article um, on this website called The Verge, and there was an article from Nike, and it, the title was Nike's Ingenious New Zipper helps people with disabilities. And this is from 2015. What happened was this young man um, was in, I think he was in, in his, um, you know, in his teen years. He loved basketball, but he couldn't participate. He also had cerebral palsy. So they approached Nike and, you know, they, they only do well, what we call sneakers. Um, I guess you call them tennis shoes there. Um, and they... They approached the engineers at Nike, and they were able to develop a special high-top sneaker um, called Fly, F L Y es And what they essentially did was they cut the layers of the high-top sneaker, and they devised a, um, a rounded zipper in the back so that he could kind of peel away the layers like an onion and slip his foot into the back, and zip it up, and that way he could be cool, and, you know, just like his other friends playing basketball with these high tops, so I thought, you know, I'm going to try to call Nike and see what they say, and I thought to myself, oh, Donna, you're never going to get in touch with these people, this is Nike, and they listed the guy's name, the engineer, and his name is Toby Hatfield, so, I guess it was about two weeks ago, on a break at work and after work, I decided to try and just calling customer service and then they gave me another number. Lo and behold, they gave me this guy, Toby Hatfield, and I talked to him and he was very cordial and he he said, well, you know, we've got other other things, you know, that we're working on as a prototype, but we don't do you know shoes for adults. We just do sneakers. But I said, would you be willing to to talk to my bracing guy? So, and I thought it was just amazing that I was able to talk to this inventor engineer, um, and I volunteered to be a guinea pig, but he didn't exactly go for it. <laughs> so, where we are now with this process is that I have called the office for the orthopist because, in the interim, he had he had changed companies because one went bankrupt and all of these other things. I, I had so many. Things that put me back in this process that was a big soap opera. So where we are now is that I, I, um, I talked to his assistant and I said, you know, what are we going to do here? I don't want to give up. I'm not your average, I'm not your average patient. We we have to we have to do something. And there are um, some shoes that have zippers in them, or maybe he can actually take the same concept from Nike and devise. And divides um, a a brace, and so one mistake that I would. Sure. At
0: at this point, is it is it something you're going to have to modify in the construction of the brace, or is it something that you need to modify with the shoes, or both? Um, it it
1: could be both. I know that I can't they can't like do surgery on me and break my ankles and make them loose because that would be so traumatic. It would, it would take me like six months to walk again. And and they've been fused for 64 years. So uh, that's, that's the question. I think that they're saying that if they modified the shoe, the way I was thinking that it wouldn't provide support. So I think we're going to have to try to find another kind of shoe, maybe with a zipper and, and, be able to use a brace or modify the brace to go into a shoe like with a zipper that I could enter without having to turn my ankle and that probably doesn't exist at this point but this guy is willing to help me try and he was to the point where you know I think like what he told me before he rushed to judgment he made all of these these braces for a lot of people. And if they, you know, people who had had strokes in their home and they can't get it on or whatever, so they're sitting in the corner collecting dust. So my thing is don't make the thing until you can figure out if the person can put it on. You know, in your excitement, oh, well, I want to help you. Let's make this. And that's fine. But if you can't put it on, it's not going to help. So he's invested in doing Whatever he can to try to make this make this right so 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 that's what i'm saying we, he's and I think this will will help him, and it will be a lesson to other people. I would love to be able to get an audience um, of doctors and people that he lectures to to tell my story so far he he hasn't been willing to open that door, but i'm willing to try because doctors need to know and the thing one thing we haven't really touched upon Delilah is that. He, the, you know, here are some points. Um, you, you, there's no question that you have to be an advocate for yourself in this kind of situation because there is no one-stop shopping. There is no path of here you have, here you have the doctor. Here you have the bracing specialist. We have, you know, you may have you need a podiatrist, which I have. You know, you need people to do X-rays. You, 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 you need all of these people. In this team, you need an occupational therapist whose expertise is to help, um, you know, devise adaptive equipment, help you figure out how to get things on and off. My problem was that the dream team that I had to to devise, they were all from different medical entities and all different medical systems. And one only did email. One only did phone calls. And they wouldn't communicate with each other. You know, and, I, and I, had to, I had to be the cruise director. I had to do all the work. So what you have to do is either you have to have enough time and energy, endurance, make it a priority to be your own care coordinator, or hire somebody else to do that and be savvy enough to try to spend all this time and navigate the systems. You have to be able to think out of the box that this doesn't work. You know, what else can you do? Because if I just relied upon what they said, you know, I I'd be sitting sitting there uh, not any better off. And and I'm saying well, how that, do you
0: think, I how do you think you know, in in within this line of the conversation, how do you think the medical community itself could be a little more helpful or more cooperative with each other that would find solutions for this type of a situation?
1: Yeah, well one thing is they need to they're starting to and in my series I address the, the few resources that are available. They need to come together and do res, resource uh, research, and they need to work as a collaborative team. They need to make teams for adults instead of just focusing on pediatric CP. They need to put their egos aside, and I won't mention who, but one person, you know, I wanted this person to communicate with this one and have an appointment and we work together. So one person said, well, you know, no, no um, offense to so and so, but but I have more experience, and to me that was a male ego talking. And I, I don't, I don't care how many years experience you have. This person over here is very highly, highly um, credentialed, and if they have certain expertise and they are highly recommended, then. I want you to work together with them, and and so you do. You, you have to work together a, as a team. You have to persevere, um, and um, y- you know you, you're the one that has to forge this path. And I don't want people to think that you know this this is the way it goes. And I am on the on the you know edge of the bell curve. There, there are. Virtually very few people with cerebral palsy in my situation that's elderly, particularly if they have other disabilities on top of it, that have that. And I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not trying to blow my own horn, but I'm a very smart person, and I think out of the box, and and I have, you know, good intellect, and that's what spurs um, Bob on to say, Donna, I don't have a lot of clients like you that can take the ball and run with it and be able to think and keep going and persevere and, and do this. Not your your average person with CP that's aging is not in that situation. They may be sitting home watching TV all day and they can't move and they don't have people to help them. So, so I'm doing this, Delilah, because. I want to maybe use this as a model and share this information for other people so that they can begin to have a path. And not to say they could do it all themselves, but at least they might have some direction, you know. And um, so I'm I'm hoping that the next step is going to be we're going to devise, we're going to find some other kind of shoe that works, and we're going to devise a, a brace on that right side that will work that I can get on independently uh, and, and off, and then I'll take off. And and virtually, if it's under a pair of pants, you, you don't even see them. You know, you're not going to see them. And I, I rarely wear shorts anyway, and I'm not modest when it comes to that. If it's going to help me walk and and um, improve the quality of my life as I, I get older, I don't care, and, you know, these are going to be lightweight. When it comes to bad weather, yes, yes, it would be a problem. Um, But, you know, I'll I'll figure out something if it comes to that. But, you know, so this this is in a very unusual situation. And if it comes to pass where we devise some device, some shoe, then I'm hoping that we can promote it for other people as a sense of hope.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think uh, you're kind of the little pioneer here, (laughs) (laughs) paving the way for – for others behind you. And I think that's the importance of of this type of a show is sharing that information with other people, because obviously you're not the only one in the world that's going through this conflict. And uh, so I I commend you for number one, being the persistent person that you are and taking people through this journey so that, um, you know, hopefully hopefully others will learn how to become their own best advocate because you know as we all know right now our medical system is not not easy to navigate in in even for a healthy person and in order to get the resources that you need or get the proper diagnosis and the proper treatment you have to take a lot on yourself you you kind of have to self-educate to your particular disease or disability or symptoms and although you know they say doctor google isn't the best way to go but sometimes it's a nice <laughs> starting point to to lead you in the right direction so where where are you going with this next i i know your situation hasn't been completely resolved so where do you want to go with it next and what is the best outcome that you're looking for
1: well uh where i want to go next is i want to be able to find some kind of adaptive shoe or to create the shoe and and uh, a brace, and it doesn't matter that they don't match or they're not the same manufacturer. Who cares? Uh, just whatever works, particularly for this right side, so I can get up and and go and and do this independently. And because uh, I foresee, you know, working before retiring and um, God willing in South Carolina. And even being in a warmer climate is going to help me in terms of my endurance and ability to work. Um, it will take less energy and a lot of stress off of my body. So I, I hope to do that. And if we come up with something innovative, I hope, you know, I hope to be able to Promote this um, to be able to to help other people with disabilities and be the voice. Get it out there, as well as these other people that are are working with me. And I want to promote, you know, the idea that, that you know you shouldn't have to be your own care coordinator. Um, and and to say yes, this can happen, but we can. We can help improve. I would love to be able to help if people would be willing to create even a trial model dream team as I've done and be available for people to say, okay, we'll get this OT, this orthotist, this this foot and ankle specialist, this podiatrist together, and whenever somebody in Connecticut or South Carolina or Arkansas or Ohio if they need somebody, you can come to us as a team. That would be a dream of mine that that you could be able to do that in a, a region of the country. you know, and the other thing I wanted to mention too is that a couple of things there are one one of the problems with the medical system is that like with anything else and even with state government, we uh, all these services that are created. They have outsourced and downsized, such that everything is on a robocall or whatnot. And people who are aging, um, and for whatever disability, maybe they can't access people on the computer. They don't have the patience. They don't have the vision. They don't have the, you know, here whatever. They want to talk to real people. So a lot of the problem in in accessing these systems is. For me to call this doctor, as good as she is, to call into the Yukon Medical Center with all of their messaging systems and whatnot, it can take me a half an hour just to get to the, a real person that I need to talk to, just to even leave a message. And that is criminal. To, to, to have to expend that much time, even if you have all your ducks in a row, It takes so much time because all of these systems, whether it's your primary care physician or whatnot, it's set up so that you don't have to talk to a real person. It's all recordings, and it slows down the process and it zaps your energy to no end. And, you know, the other thing I wanted to mention, too, is that you have to be creative with with resources that work for you. For example, I just wanted to mention that for me, a lifesaver, it has always been, but especially now in this cold weather, you know, got a new car last year, a newer car, installing a, a remote car starter where you can just point and shoot, and the car warms up instead of having to go out there on the ice and fall down and start your car and run back in. Um, having a having a AAA um, um, membership so that you know if you get in trouble. But you know in, in in the winter and you have a disability, they'll come to your aid. There are certain things like that that you can do to try to enhance the quality of life you know getting a a, a life a life alert system if you if you're prone to falls and you can you can get emergency help even though you're by yourself there are certain systems you can you can um, key into to try to Help you when you 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 really need it. So hopefully people will be able to tune into some of these other anchor podcasts and get some other information.
0: Yes, absolutely. The series that you're doing on there covers a lot of ground for adults with disabilities, and I think it's a it's an extremely important series. Um, and you can listen to that at anchor.fm slash. Shattered Lives, or go to Anchor FM and just search for Shattered Lives, and the page of those podcasts will come up. And I encourage everyone to to listen to those, whether it's you that has a disability or a loved one that has a disability, because it's just chock full of information that that can make your life a little bit easier. You know, luckily Donna has the wherewithal and the, and again the tenacity to to push through in a lot of ways that other people may give up. I think the majority of people put into a situation like you're in would, would just throw their hands up and live with it. And that's, that's kind of the way it is. But um, you know, again, I commend you for, for, taking this on not just for yourself but and but sharing it with other people because you know you're you're not the only one there there's many many more people out there that need to have these resources and need to have the information and and now it is available
1: right and it, it does apply I mean the general principles and the resources and the the steps you might want to look at it it does apply in general to other disabilities, but this just happens to be that if you are an aging adult with cerebral palsy itself, it, there there is nothing, virtually nothing for, for adults. And there's a couple of Facebook pages for adults with CP, and they do share information and whatnot that I've seen. But, um, you know, it's just, it's very disheartening um, you know that that there is nothing because there are a lot of people out there in the shadows, and I want to be able to share that and yes i i love I love being an advocate for crime victims, but this is all important too so i you know I want to have more than one purpose in life, delilah life is about diversity and sharing your information to to the right people, so I wanted to go to the right. Right people, and you know all of us, as we age, we may develop one disability or another, so it's just it's just good information to have.
0: I totally, totally agree, so now that we're to the end of of this particular interview, what is there anything else that you would like listeners to take away from the conversation today?
1: Well, I think um, you, you know if you're faced with this situation. You you have to either decide to to do it yourself or to get somebody that has the energy and tenacity and savviness to help you. But even though people tell you, okay, we're going to do this or we're going to do that, don't necessarily trust them to do what they're going to do because people's lives are, are busy, things fall through the cracks, and every single step along this way, if I just waited and waited and waited, for them to do the next step, nothing would happen. And, you know, one of my flaws in life is that I had, you know, poor patience when it comes to a lot of things, and I want things to happen. If it's about your quality of life, you give a reasonable time, but make sure that you follow up with the person on that next step. And you push them, you nudge them, and you say, okay, I understand you do this, but if you, if you can't do, do that, how about this you have to take the lead in here don 't just wait. a lot of people wait for the system, and they think the system is not going to res they think the system is going to respond and and that's so true of anything i you know in in my job people didn't call back you know about a blindness issue receiving a report. We'll call back if you didn 't hear anything. You have to take the lead. And for your own care in this, if if you want to progress, so that that would be one thing that I have to say. And just try to really work on devising your team, and and really, um, really appreciate each person for what they for what they can do. And and the, and the challenge is to try to get them to work together because each person plays a vital role. And um, I know that's a hard thing to do, and that's probably the biggest challenge. And 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 the thing we always say at, at at the end of every shattered life episode is, don't give up. There's there's always hope, and you know just don't give up. Keep persevering.
0: Excellent. <laughs> well, I think this has been this has been quite the conversation today, and uh, very very informative. And once again, I encourage listeners out there to take notes, take notes, go back, listen to this again, and take some notes and. and capitalize on the information and the work that Donna's done, just not for herself, but also for you out there who, who may be struggling and may need some of this same type of information. You may not go to the same doctors or you may not go to the same specialists, but what you're looking for is out there. You just have to be persistent and find it. So we're going to close, um, we're going to close this particular episode of Shattered Lives, and once again, go to donna gore dot com for information on other things that Donna does, including a victim impact um, statement service where she will help victims of crime uh through their journey in the court system and and composing of the a professional victim impact statement. Um, um, and she does a lot of other things as well. So please do make a visit to Donna com, and be sure to listen to the rest of the series on disability and other, other things at her shattered lives um, podcast at anchor.fm. So until next time, have a great afternoon, stay safe out there and be kind to each other.
1: Thank you very much, Delilah. Enjoyed it.